Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> How nice to see you. And as Davy Dick, during the earlier purification ceremony and fire ceremony, we want to welcome all of you who have traveled from some distance to be here. And speaking of distance, those who are distanced by time and space and watching through the internet, we welcome those also. So it's a beautiful passage this week. These are weekly commentaries on the Bible and Bhagavad Gita from rays of the one light. This is the redeeming light. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. The book of Isaiah in the Bible, chapter 9, tells us, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. What is this light of which so many scriptures speak? In Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, we read of an early experience <coughs> the Master had with that light. <coughs> I was blessed about the age of eight with a wonderful healing through the photograph of Lahiri Mahashaya. This experience gave intensification to my divine love. While at our family home in Ikapur, Bengal, I was stricken with Asiatic cholera. My life was despaired of. The doctors could do nothing. At my bedside, Mother frantically motioned me to look at Lahiri Mahashaya's picture on the wall above my head. Bowed to him mentally, she knew I was too feeble even to lift my hands in salutation. If you really show your devotion, and inwardly kneel before him, your life will be spared. I gazed at his photograph and saw there a blinding light enveloping my body and the entire room. My nausea and other uncontrollable symptoms disappeared. I was well. At once, I felt strong enough to bend over and touch mother's feet in appreciation of her immeasurable faith in her guru. Mother pressed her head repeatedly against the little picture. O oh, omnipresent Master, I thank Thee that Thy light hath healed my son. I realized that she too had witnessed the luminous blaze through which I had instantly recovered from a usually fatal disease. Where my light is, God once told a saint, whom the divine light had healed, no darkness can dwell. The divine light, pure, calm, liberating, is the only final cure for every kind of delusion, ill health, emotional grief, and spiritual ignorance. Seek it daily in silence, in deep meditation, as the Bhagavad Gita says in the fifth chapter, 
for whom that darkness of the soul is chased by light, splendid and clear shines manifest the truth, as if a sun of wisdom sprang to shed its beams of light. Thus through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Good morning, everyone, and welcome. We have such a beautiful topic this morning, and it's the one can think at first that it's very esoteric, but really, as I hope we can explore together, the implications in our daily life are just central. So let's start with a prayer poem, prayer demand from Masters, Whispers from Eternity. This is... Demand that God's light drive dark ignorance away. O divine friend, though the darkness of my ignorance be as old as the world, make me realize that with the dawn of thy light, the darkness will vanish as though it had never been. So, what a wonderful topic this is. So let's begin by exploring a little bit what are the qualities of this divine light that we're talking about. And Swami has a beautiful passage, beautiful sentence in the, pa- in the selection that we just read where he said, the divine light, pure, calm, liberating, is the only cure for all the delusions that beset us, ill health, emotional grief, and spiritual ignorance. So let's look at these qualities and how they can help us. Pure, the light is pure, it is calm, it is liberating. If we just meditated on that, it actually would be enough. But we can, we can add some words to it as well. So what, what is purity? What do we think of with that? When something is pure like a metal or a gem, it is flawless. It is without any adulteration. And so when we come to think about our health, we need to understand that basically all illness is an adulteration of the perfect light of our own being. And the great saints who are able to cure others, who uh, are able to manifest that divine light in the world, they know how to drive away the shadow. And if in our own, with our own health, our own physical well-being, no matter what's happening to you, and it's not as though yogis never get sick, they never die, of course, we know that isn't real. But nevertheless, if whatever we're going through, if we can just hold on to the thought, I am light, I am light, and this is just a shadow on the essential light of my being. We had the wonderful uh, opportunity, blessing good karma, of 
having Swami Kriyananda as our lifelong mentor and divine friend. And as many of us know who knew him, he was beset by ill health for many decades. And he, but he always went through it with such beautiful grace. And I remember one time in particular, Swami had, had arthritic hips, and so he had two prostheses, artificial hips, uh, surgically implanted. And one lovely spring morning, it was the tulips were out and there had been a light rain and there were some beautiful tulips blooming outside Swami's window. He was in residence here at the time. And he was a, he loved beauty and he took a photograph of, he wanted to take a photograph of these tulips blooming outside his window. So he was, it was early morning, he was still in his night clothes, his pajamas, but he leaned over uh, to take the photograph outside his window, and in doing that, yeah, let's get rid of the ring. In doing that, his hip popped out. The artificial, the head of the femur, I guess it is, uh, popped out of the hip socket, and he was he couldn't walk. It was just flopping there, and no one was around. He crawled to the phone, called our community physician, Dr. Peter, and then he called Jotitian me who live nearby and we all ran down and Dr. Peter called 911 and the ambulance was on the way and while we were waiting and Swami was in a great deal of pain all the muscles were totally dislodged and the tendons and so forth he instructed Jyotisha me said well we're going to the hospital and I'm just in my pajamas, can you pack a little suitcase? And he was, oh, that blue jacket and that shirt and that nice tie. And so we put everything in the suitcase. And then we got to the emergency room. Well, those of you who know about emergency rooms, they're not someplace you necessarily want to hang out in. There were people in distress, extreme distress, and you don't have any privacy. And the um, osteopathic surgeon, Orthopedic surgeon, thank you. The orthopedic surgeon was in the middle of surgery, so he couldn't come for several hours. And so Swami, we were with Swamiji, and he was just lying there in bed. But even though it was such a difficult situation, we didn't feel from him any distress, any upset. He just was in the light. And then finally the doctor came, a wonderful man, and he, through great effort, was able to, in fact, he had to straddle Swami on either side of the bed and pull that leg until the leg, the socket, and the bone went into the socket. And it was pretty traumatic for us to watch that. <laughs> but Swami, you, he just said, it was in. He said, Okay, now I'll get dressed. He took his little suitcase. He went in the restroom. And he came out. And it was like Superman coming out of a phone booth. <laughs> he was just beautifully groomed, totally poised, not any... And I realized he never stepped outside of the light. He was always in the light. And whether that was happening or now... And he, when he walked into the emergency room, the nurses didn't recognize him. 
They said, oh, sir, can we help you? You know, what are you doing here? And he said, well, I'm Mr. Walters. And they, oh, they were shocked. And then he said to Peter and to Jotisha and me, let's go get some coffee. So there we went. But the remarkable thing was, as I said, the, con- the purity of the light of his consciousness, it enabled him to go through that without any distress. And so in our own lives, when ill health besets us, remember that. Remember, yes, maybe we need surgery, maybe we need medication, maybe whatever it is we need. But we don't have to leave the light. And I know in some ways I'm preaching to the choir because I know many of my dear friends here have gone through tremendous physical tests and they've stayed in the light. But it's possible if we consciously realize this is an option. You know, when, when you receive a difficult diagnosis, maybe you walk in and the doctor's been doing some lab reports and you get the, the worst thing you want to hear, yes, you have cancer. You can react in so many ways. But if you just realize that's the body, I am light, you will get through it well. Now, calmness. Remember, Swamiji said the divine light is calm. And what is calmness? It's equanimity. This world is one of joy and sorrow, pain and pleasure, all of the dualities. But the calm light, it's like a candle. No matter how hard that wind is blowing, that candle doesn't waver. It stays steady in the light. And this is, again, when emotional problems beset us. Try to remember, try to live, try to meditate, try to go within and say that calm light is not wavering. No matter what's going on around me, that light is steady. And there was a beautiful story, if you recall, from Autobiography of a Yogi, when Master tells It's in the chapter, one of the most remarkable ones, The Law of Miracles. And he's master saying it was after, it was during World War I, 1915. And I was so distressed by the suffering, the human suffering that I saw going on and the loss of life. And I was praying, why do you allow this suffering, Lord? And I, he said, I was sitting meditating in my little attic room in Calcutta, for Gorpo Road. And I was sitting there and I was praying, Lord, why do you allow the suffering? And he said, immediately, my consciousness was transferred to the body of a ship's captain and that was being besieged by artillery. And a big torpedo hit us and it, the ship exploded and I, as the captain, and a few others were able to survive, and we made our way to the shore. And just as I thought, oh, I I survived, a bullet hit me in the chest, and I fell down, and I felt the life leaving my body. And I, I was just thinking I was dead. And then, lo and behold, I woke up, and I was in my little room in Fort Garpar Road meditating on my bed, and I start, he said, I started pinching myself and, and the tears running down. Lord, Lord, thank you, thank you. And then, bum, immediately I was transferred back to the dead body of that captain. 
And then in distress, I, I just said, Lord, am I alive or am I dead? And he said, this wondrous light enveloped me. And as though with murmuring clouds, it said, what has light to do with life and death? You are made in my image of light. Life and death are just the dualities of this cosmic dream. Awake forever, my child. And so whatever griefs are besetting us, whatever worries we have, whatever distress, whether for ourselves or for the state of the world, I think it's a hard time for people now. It's hard to understand why people are acting the way they're acting, why their selfishness and greed and um, in just total indifference to the needs of others. And, and it's distressing to see this. And yet, if we can say, we are made in the image of light, what has light to do with this world of maya? And not to ignore it, not to say it doesn't exist, but I know in my own life when there have been situations that I've been worried about, if I'm able to just rest in the calmness of myself, that light shows me how everything is just as it should be and that things will shift, they'll change. And don't, don't be upset by the, what's going on in the moment. And so that calmness, that inner assuredness that what has suffering or pain or life or death, what does that have to do with you, my children, who are made of light? It's not, who, it's not what this world is in essence. And the shadows of this world, it's just the nature of duality. They won't go away. We won't to sidestep into the world of politics. We won't elect a new president and then everyone will become saints. <laughs> it, this world is just what it is. But behind it is that calm light that isn't touched by what goes on, that remains our hope and our guide. And then... So Swamiji said, this light, the nature is pureness, pure, calm, and liberating. How is this light liberating? Again, we can look back to autobiography of a yogi. When Master, first chapter, little boy, little Makunda, again, sitting on his bed meditating, and he asked the question that... I think many of us ask, I asked it as a child, why is it dark when I close my eyes? He asked that what is behind the darkness of closed eyes? And immediately the room began filling with light. And he, he, it formed, the light formed into little figures, little saints meditating in, in lotus posture. And he said, who are you? And, he, and they said, we are the Himalayan yogis. And he said, I want to go and be with you. But then the light shifted and it became impersonal. And it was just 
he was a part of it. And he said, who are you? And the voice said, I am Ishwara. I am light. And Master said from his heart, I want to be one with you. And then the light slowly diminished. But Master said, from that experience, I gleaned a permanent legacy of knowing that God is light and that light is joy. And from that moment, the desire to become one with that light is what motivated my whole life. And so for all of us, it's that light that brings us to liberation. And remember, I will add one quality that Swami didn't mention. Pure, calm, liberating, but also conscious. That light is conscious, and it's there to guide us. It isn't just some beautiful light that, like a rainbow that shines in the sky or the aurora borealis. These are beautiful manifestations of that light. But the light is conscious, and we can appeal to it, and it can respond to us in our need, and it can transform us, and it can liberate us. And there's that beautiful story from the life of Master's great disciple, Rajasi Janakananda. What a remarkable life that was, and what a model for Westerners. Self-made millionaire, heading many different, on the board of directors of many big corporations and so forth. But when he came to Master and received Diksha, initiation, darshan of the guru, within a few, I think, I think it was like six or seven years of practicing Kriya Yoga, he entered into the state of Samadhi. He was a great soul. Masters alluded that they were like twin souls. I don't believe he ever said it directly, but he certainly alluded to that fact. But towards the end of Rajasi's life, and mind you, he, for many years when he sat in meditation, he would just go deep into samadhi, union with God. And remember once uh, Rajasi was meditating on the grounds of the Encinitas Hermitage, and Master Swami recounts this, and Master was walking by with a group of young monks, and he said, shh, be quiet. We mustn't disturb his meditation. You have no idea what blessings are drawn to this work when one of our disciples, one of God's disciples, can go so deep in meditation. But at the end of Rajasi's life, he went through a deep spiritual test. And he who had been able to sit in meditation and go into samadhi, things that most of us spend our whole life working at, it was all gone. And he sat to meditate, and it was just darkness. No light, no samadhi. This was after Master's passing. No feeling of the Guru's presence. Total, total despair. What is going on? Have I lost my way? Have you abandoned me, Master? But he continued. He persevered. And he sat and meditated. And many weeks went by. 
and all there was was darkness. And then the story is told that at a certain point, sitting in the darkness of his closed eyes in meditation, he saw a tiny, tiny spark of light. And he, he focused on that light. And he yearned for that light. And he poured all that he was towards that light. And gradually, gradually it became bigger, 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 filling his mind, beyond his mind, absorbing him in the cosmic light. And after that, there was no more darkness. And so for each of us, we all walk, we all see, we all perceive light and darkness within ourselves. Sometimes the darkness seems to be getting the upper hand. Sometimes the light seems to be getting the upper hand. But nevertheless, if we, can, if we can't see any light in our life, know that it is there and keep searching for it. And it, there will come a point when the light breaks through the darkness and it becomes greater and greater. The darkness is just the test of Satan, just the test of light to say, do you believe in that light? Will you cling to me no matter what? And if we do, that light will fill us, will flood us, calm, pure, liberating, conscious. This is who we are. It isn't just something outside of ourselves. But remember, never stop looking for the light, even when the darkness seems impenetrable. It is there. And when the karma that's obscuring our vision, when that karma is over, then we will realize, as Master did, as Rajasi did, as all the great saints of all religions have done, that we and that light are one.